0: Hello, Lewis. Hello. How are you? Well, I mean, Friday, so yeah, Friday, but uh, doing good, yeah? Yeah, I'm alright. Sir, so, uh, what are we doing then? It's the uh, penultimate Let's Talk Transport podcast,
1: brand new. No. We've been, this has been in the planning for months. We tried to record it three times, but we're finally here. And uh, we've got a guest today, haven't we? A very special guest to start off this podcast. So, uh, does our guest want to introduce themselves?
2: Please hold tight. This tram is about to depart.
1: Yes. If any of you (laughs) recognise that, the tram is about to depart. However, we ain't going anywhere. Uh, It's... uh, so guy WM Rails from West Midlands Metro. Yay! Should I say Should I say former employee of West Midlands Metro? Woo, hello. Hello. Um yeah. So what did you used to do for West Midlands Metro? Just tell the viewers. Listeners even.
2: Well. Wow. Um a lot of things really, like you know, not to be very vague of the details, but you know, I did bits of this, bits of that, kind of <laughs> all all around, really. Well, that's fun. I mean, did you enjoy it? In some ways, yes, I did. Like, and there's some parts that I like that I miss from doing that kind of thing. You know, like helping the customers and stuff like that. But
1: uh, yeah. That's good. Anyways, I've just realised we haven't actually explained what this podcast is yet, Lewis. Uh, let's talk transport. We're going to talk transport. There you go. That's all you need to know. Yeah, pretty much this every is...
0: single transportation in this sector is what is going to be yep. covered.
1: I'm the Yorkshire Train Spotter. I have a YouTube channel, Lewis. Oh, I'm you Lewis Gates, the, the legend, master, <laughs> the legend, the man, the myth, the legend, Lewis Gates, and. Our guest today is Adam WM Rails. I'll put all socials and stuff wherever, in the description, links wherever. But they will yeah. be
2: in the description below.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, uh, as you can tell, one of the things uh, WM Rails did for Westminster Metro was, record, uh, as you heard beautifully earlier, some of the announcements however we got some sad news about them haven't we
2: yeah so with' uh, with the the project to like uh, re like renovate the system they've had a batch of new trams which are Airbus 100s or as uh, or as, for some reason West Midlands Metro are now calling them the the t5g trams and it, oh, it's just yeah, but the, uh, the voiceovers have and the order of the announcements have been completely changed and there is an absence of the, the Please Hold Tight, The Tram's About to Depart announcements as well as various other ones across the network, which is, it, it is very odd to hear, you know, when you've been on the network for how long and then all of a sudden it's just completely changed. It's like yeah. they really did say, all oh, change, please.
1: <laughs> I know. It's just it's just mad. Do you know what? You've just made me laugh. Did you seriously just say they're calling them the T5G? Sounds like a mobile network.
2: Oh, here we go. <laughs> so the the original fleet are now being called the Airbus T2Gs. It's something along those lines. I can't remember exactly what... Um, my god what the terminology was i'd have to go back onto uh onto my tiktok and look at one of the comments i responded to but um yeah they they're actually calling them something along those lines and i was like why not just call them Airbus 100s it's really not that difficult but overall they are they are actually really nice trams one of the things that i really do like is the fact that the seats finally have some cushion?
1: I was I was literally just about to say that West Midlands Metro was very well known for the seats being so bad that people stood up. Yeah. I'm not I'm not
2: even joking. And um, this is probably going to sound really odd, but I knew for a fact that if I had to go the full route, I would take a cushion from home just to put it on the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> but with the with the new with the new trams, I don't have to do that. I did the full route a couple of weeks back with a friend of mine and I sat down on those seats absolutely no problem at all. And they were actually semi comfy, but like you know when it's just like a chair that's not comfy, but it's not that uncomfortable. You wouldn't be able yeah. to sit in the chair for forty one minutes, like I was and I actually recorded it when I put uh, when I was t- doing some content for TikTok and I was just like, "Oh my
1: god, the seats! Finally have cushion." <laughs> Lewis, Lewis, yeah. I have something to compare this to. So, yeah. what what do we think of Westminster Metro seats, the old seats, compared to Thameslink seats?
0: Oh, the ironing boards, the classic, the, the lovely
1: ironing boards of Thameslink. Do you to know what? Fair. I actually yeah. sat on them, and I think for short distance, like I think I did Alexandra Palace to King's Cross on a seven one seven, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And they were all right for that, but I wouldn't want to do Thameslink, Bedford to Brighton.
0: Oh, or like something like uh, Cambridge to
1: Littlehampton or somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it they're not that comfy, but I think they get a lot of stiff. I think. Another seat, I can't believe we've gone to seats of all things, but another seat that gets a lot of stiff is the IET seat. Yeah, and I don't actually see much wrong with it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I agree. I,
1: like... I actually think the IET seats are all right. I think people have just got so used to some trains having really comfy seats, but like normal seats are now uncomfy. I mean, yeah. in, in
2: They're not some... Exactly the In some respects, I can understand why they have the type of seats that they do, especially if it's in, like, a really, like, busy kind of city or, like, town, especially when you've got things like nightclubs and things like that, that that in the, like, the vicinity of the area, it's kind of like... You know, you've got to think of, how are you going to keep them clean? What if someone spills something on it? Or, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, because I know that it costs a lot of money to, like, get seats professionally cleaned. You know, because it's not just, like, you know, vacuuming the seat or, like, wiping it over. Like, they have to proper, like, take all the upholstery off, all the cushioning out. Get it all professionally cleaned and... It does become quite expensive when you when you when you think about it. So yeah, yeah. I agree. Although there is one
1: bus. Yeah,
2: go on. Sorry. Go
1: on. No, go
2: on. So there is one seat, like one seat that I particularly liked, and it was the seats that used to be on the T69 trams, which were the uh, I knew you were going to bring the models. Yeah. <laughs> of course the T69s they're an iconic tram set and honestly I really wish that they'd have been preserved a lot better than what they have been from what I know there's probably about five of them still in existence like mostly at Long Marsden I know one currently has been repainted to be a transport uh, what was it um, oh what. Was What's it called now? There, there was some police thing. It was, it was painted in like white and grey, and it actually looks really good. There was a picture that I saw on social media somewhere, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, the one. Yeah. I remember you yeah, showed yeah. me that. Oh, I see. Yeah, I've seen that mm-hmm. as well. And the, I think it might have been either number seven or number nine that it was uh, put in that livery. And it was, I was like, "Oh my god!" The that like, I really wish they'd have preserved yeah. them so much better. But talking about the seats, like they were actually really really comfortable seats. Even though if you were sitting in like the middle gangway, you had no leg room whatsoever because they used to have seats that faced towards each other. And when the conductor was trying to get through the middle of the tram and you had long legs, you had absolutely no chance. You were going to get your feet stepped on and everything, tripped over. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I do I do really miss <laughs> yeah. those trams. Not even going to lie. I do.
1: No, I agree with you. Like, the T68s have a place in a lot of people, like, Manchester and stuff. Like, T68, T69, like, those old trams, they have a place in people's hearts. (coughs) I think they were good.
2: What I don't understand is the fact that the T68s actually existed before, well, around about the same time, but just before the T69s and yet the T-68s seem more preserved and more reliable than what the T-69s ever were, because the T-69s were a fleet of 16, and by the end of their service, it was a fleet of probably seven that still were able to function yeah. for normal service. Like, I remember the, mo- the most well-preserved trams were probably 11 and 16,
1: Yeah, i talking about seats just quickly again because we need to move on soon. But seats, possibly the one I've noticed the most is, I think, the the new Avanti Refurb. I finally rode it. I was waiting to ride the new Avanti Refurb for ages. And we finally managed to get it like a week ago or something. Well, no, it was like two weeks ago now. But anyways, those seats were honestly, a massive step up. And like, the they were actually the comfy. They were actually really comfy, and I've not sat on anything like it in quite a while. And, <laughs> I, it's not gonna live up to a first-class seat, ever. But for a standard-class seat, for, I'd easily sit on that from London to Glasgow return.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. I do, I do think the refurb's actually really, really nice, especially, like, is. the table areas where, like, They've got the wireless chargers, the plug sockets. It's actually, like, really spacious as well. unlike like, some of the trains where it's literally just sitting on a table that's, like, the like the thinness of an ironing board.
1: <laughs> yeah, do you know what I think will be really interesting? I think Lewis will agree with me, to be fair. I think it's going to be really interesting to see the difference between Avanti's refurb of the Pendolino and when LNER finally released the Intercity yeah. 91s. Exactly. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure they've had something done to the interior, and yeah, that would be like pretty it. cool. That would be pretty cool to see what they've actually done to that. Because yeah. if they've done it well enough, then those Natty ones are going to be staying for ages. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah, they're li- they're, li-
0: they're literally so reliable in my opinion, and like they, it they is decorate. mad.
1: Yeah. They're so reliable compared to all the other 40-year-old trains that are in service. It's like madness. Like, yeah, yes, the they only do one
0: break which down. With if, the only one which I might disagree with is the HST there, but...
1: Yeah. Uh, they always they always document that 91s break down, because, yes, they do break down, Lewis. But Azuma's yeah. break down, Pendolino's break down, everything breaks down. Yeah. I, Yeah.
0: But, yeah, to be honest, uh, it's good that the Pendolinos can be kept on for, uh, well, pretty much many years to come now because, obviously, the Pendolinos, people would probably argue that they've been part of the West Coast mainline for so long and it's many people's childhood, you know, seeing them at stations, you know, curving around the corners. So, it's good in that way.
1: I think, yeah, I think the fact that Avanti are keeping Pendolinos is very good. I'm glad they're not just being replaced with IETs because it's just not the same.
2: Yeah. Like if if something's preserved really really well, like if it's looked after by the operator, then obviously it's gonna last a really long time. Like y you look at some of the steam trains on how well preserved some of them look and you think, damn, oh, yeah. that's like they've actually looked after the all of these like they've actually looked after this train really, really well. And yeah, uh, When they look after them well, that means that, you know, you get to keep your trains longer. And in the long run, it's cheaper because then you don't have to buy new trains.
1: Yeah, I agree. Anyways, back to the West Midlands Metro a second. Uh, What's quite funny is the day we're recording this, uh, (laughs) well, something's happened, hasn't it?
2: Uh yes, from what I've been made aware of, there is an overhead line failure. Uh Again. Again. You know, they've been they have been trying to um like do most of the infrastructure whilst they've had all of the trams out of service, which is something that we'll probably talk about later on. Yeah. But uh yeah. I I do think because of, because of where it where it is, where the overhead lines have failed, it is pretty much one of the spots where it is prone to failure. I'm pretty sure it's between uh, Wensbury Parkway and Jawrick Quarter somewhere, where m- majority of the overhead lines in that section are actually held up by one pole on the uh, Birmingham running side because it actually has. National Rail next to it, and they can't really put any support poles on the other side. So, you know, the weight of both overhead lines, and then you've got to take into consideration the weather as well. We've had really hot weather lately, and, you know, Overhead they sag over time when when in heat and then when it gets cold they shrink. Yeah, and then...
1: the the East Coast mainline could. Uh, oh yeah, God, the amount of times the East Coast mainline goes down in hot weather is just ridiculous. To be honest,
2: yeah,
0: I think we should actually. That's an interesting point. We'll get onto that later. But uh, although although
2: saying is... that, although saying that, they uh, well. I suppose you could say it's been a while since they've had an overhead line failure, beans as they've not been running.
1: Yeah, yeah. just a bit. Uh, is it the entirety of 2022 up until May? Uh, until...
2: They didn't run, I think it was about three months, I believe. Three months,
1: so like February to May. Yep. They had a... Didn't they pay for something that they shouldn't have paid for?
2: Well, so they... <laughs> Right, so the vehicles that they had at the time, which was the Airbus 3s, uh, they yes. had them retrofitted a couple of years back with batteries to run uh, o- uh, cantonary-free to open the new extension up to the library and obviously further on in the future. Um, but yeah. adding that extra weight to the top of the of the chassis is kind of, you know, a bit dodgy when you think about it because you know they've built these vehicles to the specification that we asked for and then it's just like hmm let's stick some thousand pound batteries on top of it and see what happens and obviously the the bodywork has cracked and i don't think all of that has to do with obviously the batteries being on top i do think that in some places the curvature of the track has had some kind of play in it as well because of how yeah. tight that corner is around the the approach to Grand Central from uh, Corporation Street it is a very tight curve and obviously i think that is what's caused majority of the work i mean they've take they had to take the entire fleet out of the network to basically take them apart and repair the the panels along the bottom. They've had to remove all the doors, they had to take out the seats, they full-on had to, like, rip them apart, and some of the trams which have been fixed now, they're actually out on the network without any liveries on them. So they're actually, there's actually just some random panels that you'll see... On the Urbos threes, mm. where they've just got uh, the the old white silver livery, because they've not got any of their vinyls on with the blue uh, blue livery.
1: It is you quite what, interesting Lewis? to
2: see, to be honest.
0: Lewis, yeah. I
1: hope they were. Ha- I hope they were having a cracking time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the whole rail network lately's been cracking up, man.
1: <laughs> I know, definitely. Like, from Cracked Rails on the East Coast Main Line and the... Brazali as well. Cracked Rails on the Bridlington Line. I don't know if you heard about that one, Lewis. The rail, no. The Rails on the Bridlington Line cracked a couple of days ago. Oh. <laughs> just like one of the odd, weird ones. Uh, IETs cracking all over the place, aren't they? Just yeah, Scott Rail had a problem with their desiros
2: line. as well. All no. I have to it's say like, is... Uh, it's just mad. All I have to say is is CAF, and uh, for those that are listening, I think we all know what that stands for. <laughs> <laughs> not going not gonna to say it on the, uh, on the podcast, but we can all take a very good guess. <laughs> yeah, I
1: um, just wanted to talk briefly about, um, shall we say, Strikes? Ah, yes. (laughs) They have been very... Uh, Yeah, of course this would come up. It's, yeah. The railway industry... I just want to quote a YouTube video that keeps popping up on every single YouTube video I try and watch. There's this advert that pops up and this lady goes, the railway industry is changing. And And I'm just sat there like, yeah, there's a lot of strikes going on. That's what's changing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The... The entire rail network was down, was it last Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday?
0: Yeah, there was a dramatically, you know, reduced timetable on every single operator. So, yeah, it was, it was, they're very, very prominent strikes,
1: you could argue. Like, practically all the train stations around me were just closed completely. Mm.
0: Like, yeah. you know, when we, we was looking on real-time trains, wasn't we, CJ, last week? Yeah. Obviously, happened. And we was literally looking at when the stations were closing, because some train stations, like, for example, Birmingham New Street was closing its doors at literally 20 past 6 Adam, Think of it like that. 20 past
1: 6pm. I mean, I I've I literally can... got to leave Birmingham New Street at 20 past mm. 6 tomorrow. It better not close. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you this.
2: With the rail strikes, the roads around the West Midlands have been absolutely chock-a-block. Like, you don't realise how much people utilise train services until there isn't any, and then you know, your usual 10 minute car journey to Sainsbury's ends up being an hour and 45 minutes and you just yeah. think, what on earth is going on? Yeah, that's that
1: quite crazy to think. I think it, I'm going to be honest with you, the best way to describe 2022 so far, in my opinion, is just like particularly with transport is everything's just broken. Stuff's breaking all the time, like big companies are having massive problems, and it's just not good. Transpennine strikes last week, but it's not a surprise, because Transpennine are on strike every Sunday until something gets sorted out, Lewis, aren't they?
0: Yeah. Literally every Sunday.
1: Yeah, Mm. until something gets sorted out, they've been on strike every Sunday since the start of the year.
2: I was not aware of that.
1: Mm. Yeah, pretty mental.
0: And then so the RMT have said that they're already planning more strikes in the months of August I know. and September.
1: August and September, like come on, RMT, come on. I was about to say, I was Seriously?
0: Like, hmm. I was like, I don't know how that's going to work. But the thing is, is we all we, we can all agree that most of these strikes will involve politics at some point. <laughs> so you know.
1: And I've got some like, bad news for anybody trying to travel on Greater Anglia. Because for oh, some yeah. reason their drivers have decided that even though they get paid like forty grand a year, they're going to go on strike as well.
0: Yeah, literally. Like I just when I looked at it, I was like, "You what? Over right, ninety percent of drivers, over ninety percent of services asked by Great Triangular. Hmm. I was like, I don't know about that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, in so, I in some ways, the in some ways, I can understand why they would take strike action because if you're being treated unfairly or you know you've had some of your benefits of the job taken away from you it kind of puts you in the mindset of like well do i really want to do this or like you know it makes them not feel as good about their job as what they should so i can totally respect why they would want to strike but at the same time, it also puts into perspective on how much people actually rely on these services. And when they're not there, everything just comes to a standstill. Nobody knows what's going on. And that's when you get the uh, the people on Twitter going, why is the train not running? Why are you on strike? Why this and why that? And nobody has yeah. any answers because they're all on strike.
1: So now is a section that will happen on this podcast every single time where i would like to award the uh the best and worst talk of the month and i'm gonna be honest with you i think we already know what the worst one is from what lewis just read out to be yeah, fair, the worst, the, the worst one fair, is uh, great
0: yeah from great triangular they've literally said that there'll be no great triangular tries right? so from cambridge north cambridge and london liverpool Street or regional all branch line services, so they're all axed. Ram Norwich, everything, and intercity services will be literally so reduced that they're saying do not travel. That's how serious the strike is going to be tomorrow. But you know, it's we'll see how it
2: lands out.
1: Yeah, yeah, Greater Anglia, honestly, yeah, you win the worst talk. I'm sorry, but seriously, your drivers, come on. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't know if anyone should win the best talk. Month, you got any ideas, Lewis? Maybe, well, hmm, I don't know. The, the easy answer these days is Grand Central, is, isn't it? <laughs> Why, though? What What have Grand come on? We got a fight for the best talk, so what have Grand Central brought to the table?
0: Uh, to be honest, their 180 trains, yes, the class 180 trains do have their failures and faults, as you know, Paul Tilman, you know, he does. You'll be going nowhere. Mess. Yeah, he does say. But the thing is, is their, their, you know, their service is literally immaculate. Uh, the 180 trays told with automated announcements, which I didn't realise. <laughs> Did not realise that. Uh, and as well, they've got apps at seat catering and drinks to your seat, which you can literally order by using a barcode on the back of each seat. Like, think of it uh, like that.
1: Adam, Adam, am I watching a TV advert or listening to a podcast?
2: <laughs> wow, it's very, very debatable. <laughs> to be honest. Though, We're not sponsored
1: by Grand Central. Can I just point that out, everybody? Yeah, yeah, let's just say Lewis Gates is not trying to say guess on Grand
0: Central tomorrow and drop everything. But I'm saying that the easy answer what most people say to me when I ask is, yeah, Grand Central Rail, yeah, they're the best. You know, they get London to Sunday and London to York. And the thing is, is, CJ, I think you'll agree that Grand Central, if they wanted to, they've got enough revenue, so they've literally got a lot more, you know, space to expand for further routes, in my opinion. Definitely.
1: Well, I mean, they were going to do London to Blackpool, weren't they? And I was really looking forward to it. Class 90s, come on, that would have been amazing. But nah, they ran out of funding because of COVID. Typical.
0: Yeah, but now I do know that Grand Central is trying to get back on track. And of course, as well, the likes of whole trains as well.
2: Great pun there, back on track. I
1: know. (laughs) Lewis is absolutely full of it today. (laughs) Literally advertising Grand Central on a podcast, right? Thanks for that one.
0: It's all right, Grand Central. If you do want to send me and CJ
2: free first class tickets, please do. Thanks,
1: yeah, that that'll be really nice, actually. <laughs> there
2: Thank is a, there is there is actually one thing that Lewis did mention, and I want, I actually want to get your both of your guys' opinion on this. So there was a thing oh, that man. I was reading about a couple of weeks back about announcements on public transport and people basically uh, saying yes. that they find them a little bit annoying, like they're over the top. I want to get your guys' opinion on that. Do you think that some, like, TOC's announcements can be too much? Hmm.
0: Yeah, I'll let you go look,
1: <clears throat> I was uh, I was in York Station. Best example of this, I was in York Station on Tuesday. And there was disruption on the East Coast Main Line. And as somebody who was like, understands how hard it is to listen to announcements when every 30 seconds you've got, see it, say it, sound it, don't smoke, don't do this, don't do that. Platform 8, Platform 6, Platform 4, Platform 2. It's like, I get where people are coming from, if I'm honest. I genuinely do. It is so confusing. And I think, yes, if you can read the boards and you can understand the boards, then the announcements don't need to exist at all, do they? But they're, they're, they announcements are there for a yeah. reason.
0: Yeah. I I mean definitely. However, yeah.
1: However, if you're in a disruption, the amount of announcements almost feels just like noise in your head. Honestly, it really does. And I do get why disruption, particularly, announcements is too much. Yeah. Because there is platform alterations. or should I say, actually, interesting fact, they've changed it now because the word alteration is too confusing, which I do agree with. So platform changes... Uh, literally left right and center
2: i have uh yeah. i have heard that one myself now
0: actually i think that will probably be rolled out with most and stations but that's my back to the point of adam saying uh, about the pis cj if it will back me up i'm literally a cis and pis guru like i literally live yes. and breathe announcements uh i literally so much so that i in future i want to actually go and do an announcement for a company but the thing is is i would say that people who you know are less abled in society, I would I would probably use. You know, people who don't really understand, you know, all the time when they're out on trains. I think the announcements are normally, a, you know, an audible cue for them, an audible reassurance that, you know, they will be able to get to their destination, you know, on time or, you know, if they're booked on a service and they can't get on it because it's been cancelled or delayed. I think it is good in that sense. However, on stations, I think we do definitely need. But on most operators who I've been on with, uh, you know, trains inbuilt, uh pis announcements majority of the time the guards will do them (laughs) if you know what i mean uh majority of the time the guards will do them for the people so at the same time operators who have both you know guard announcements and pis automated announcements i'm just there like hmm get over the top
1: (laughs) i think i do agree and i also think that they're there for people who who are blind that is the main reason that announcements exist if you think about it because you can't read the screens however not
2: only that as well it's actually imagine it's actually there for people who suffer with uh, things like dyslexia as well or people who struggle to read so for me because obviously being dyslexic i do find it really hard to read orange pixels on a destination board yeah, they've done. <laughs> they've
1: got rid of them at Doncaster now. They're gone completely from Doncaster now. Yeah, they have. Yeah. But the thing is, and that is amazing.
2: Some of the new, de- some of the new PIS boards that I've seen, the ones with, that are on white, I find them even more difficult to read now. And, and I don't know whether it's just me, but that's my my own opinion. I just think they're really difficult to read, and that's why. I actually prefer listening to the announcement, or I just go up and talk to somebody in in the ticket office, or the information desk.
1: Yeah.
2: And I do think... I mean,
1: announcements are there to be accessible, are they? Yeah. And I think that, in some ways, they are. But just imagine that you couldn't see, so there is no way that you could read those screens. The amount of different platforms, different places, different announcements. Would you actually be able to find where you're going? Seriously, yeah, do you think you would be, be able quite, to? It'd
0: be quite overwhelming, wouldn't
1: it? Probably
0: for a blind not. person, for example. It'd be, it'd be quite overwhelming. And the thing is, is Anne, just to quickly, obviously, the A's and everyone knows who I'm talking about, the default voice across the real network. Find it really uh,
1: confusing I, to understand her sometimes.
0: Yeah, the thing is, is, she actually has recorded recently. She's got more announcements now, CJ, where... If a train does not have an accessible toilet, if it's out of use or something, or if a train has toilets out of use or a train has anything, like, wrong with it, like, they'll actually now add it on at the end of the announcement. So I suppose the accessibility and that factor has actually been improved by Anne now. But she never used to say that. So I suppose that's all right. But, yeah, I wonder what your opinion is on, you know, her announcing Just, more facilities I, and stuff.
1: I'm going to... I think the longer an announcement becomes, the harder it is to remember. Yeah, so... Yeah. And if you have to be on a train station and listen to these announcements and know where you're going and you find that hard it is really hard and i think that the screens yeah i know it doesn't help if you're blind but for dyslexic people like adam's just said those white screens that they've started trialling, i think should just fail the trial instantly but the black yeah. screens that are at doncaster i think they're helpful what do you think of those
0: yeah definitely and the thing is is uh, in regards to education, and I think Adam will have something to say on this, uh, what I'm about to say is like with uh, people who've got dyslexia, they people actually read better, for example, a book with a colour of like, for example, like a colour of sheet, like, do you know, them sheets which they put under it, like, you know, blue, yellow, green, whatever you like to read in front of it. And the thing is, I think that's what the uh, companies are now trying to mimic with the PIS companies to, so, you know, try and get people with dyslexia to try and understand them more on, you know, because they're not, they're not exactly right in front of you, are they? You literally have to look up to them. So, you know, I think the fact that they are trying to trial different colours or backgrounds and different texts, I think it will definitely help people who uh, suffer to read in that way. But
2: I don't know. Adam, do you have anything to say on that? Well, the, the only destination boards that I've really scene with the like the the white pixels on the black background are the ones which are found at New Street. Now, this is gonna be very interesting because the easiest part that I've ever found to read on those destination boards are the platform colours. Because they actually yeah. have they actually have like the blue, green, red colours along yeah. the bottom of the boards. And I can read that bit perfectly fine, but any of the other stuff it's just like it's just like pixels on a screen yeah
1: but then I can also get their point of view which is that they're not going to turn the whole thing blue green or yellow because then other people might not be able to read and I get their point of view there yeah but it's just I think it's going to be one of those but always going to be complicated and I think that's why customer service assist- assistance exists and obviously, Definitely. New Street has an accessible lounge, doesn't it? It's the, f- it's the only station in the country to have a fully, like, an area accessible lounge. And yet it's yeah. still
2: one of my least rated stations.
1: <laughs> but that, but I agree why they have an accessible lounge, Adam, because it is a massively confusing station for me. And I understand train stations. I still didn't know where I was going, did I? No, that is very true. I do. I it, do think... Like,
2: New Street, Grand Central being called an interchange is honestly a little bit of a joke. I mean, have you ever tried to make a connection via New Street? Because... It is very difficult. You have to go up the stairs, through the ticket off it, uh, through the ticket gate, and then you have to go all the way around and find where your train's got to be on, the, on another side of the station, and then you've got to go through the ticket gate again and go back down the stairs. And it's kind of just like, yeah, it's a train station that's stuck underground, and, oh, afterthought, let's stick a shopping centre on top. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it's not great.
2: I mean, Anyways, I, I, I get think it, we should. And, like, aesthetically outside it looks really, really nice, but... Yeah. Mm, I prefer, back, back I prefer Wall Street.
0: Yeah, back, back to your point, though, on the interchange, quickly, before we move on on the topic, is cross-country, yeah. which, obviously, is the main operator... Would, we would argue that it's the, one of the main operators in the Birmingham area. Uh, yeah. They have basically, on their map now, uh, they basically designated stations as an interchange instead of New Street, Adam, because that's how much complaints I'm, I'm guessing they're having or that's how much, you know, customers are suggesting to them that they can't really go through New Street anymore because of how much hassle it causes them. So, like, places like Stafford, uh, Wolverhampton, Chatham Spar I think one, and Derby, they've now basically said that these stations, if you want to connect through Birmingham new Street, just change there. <laughs> so, yeah, I understand them there, sort of, but that's an example of what I wanted to give everyone on what New Street doesn't really have going for it.
2: I mean, another thing as well, and I actually pointed this one out to uh, one of the station staff uh, about two weeks ago, I was getting a train from New Street to go up to Tamworth. And I had to get on the first three carriages, which was right down the end of the platform. There is not a single seat in sight down the end of that platform. All of the seats yeah. are right up the other end, underneath like underneath the uh like underneath the station and I was just there like, "What if someone who you know struggles with mobility has to get on this train, and now they've gotta stand here and wait for that train to open its doors." And <laughs> for example, what would happen if you know they decided oh, I'm just going to go up the other end and just sit there and wait, and then that train opens its doors and shuts them and then drives off, and then they're just like, well, I didn't know.
1: Yeah, yeah
2: I do. I do think that more scenes should probably be added down there in the uh, New Street. Not going to
1: lie. Yeah. I Anyways, mean, you enough about a... New Street. I think there's so much that could be done to New Street, but. Mm demolish a it. lot. <laughs> yeah. So Lewis, you had a point about we'll go from we'll move from Birmingham to London, shall we? Yeah. So uh has
0: anyone in this uh you know in this podcast rode the London Underground?
2: I have, yes. yes.
0: Yeah, so the London Underground, as we know, is fully electric. They uh they have no you know trains which are diesel, whatever you want to call them, but uh, about two days ago now, uh, or three days ago, sorry, the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, he confirmed and pledged to the people of London that Transport for London are moving and powering the tube to 100% renewable energy. And that has been confirmed by him. So, uh, you know, obviously, one of the biggest things in the world currently is to do with climate change and global warming. And basically what the uh, mayor has said is we need to do more for, uh, you know the carbon neutral emissions and one of the factors which he's basically said is uh to renewable energy for transport for london but i've actually got a little bit of an argument for you two which i think we should discuss is do you think that most operating companies now uh should actually move to completely carbon neutral and just get on that
1: bandwagon i think it's a it's a good idea to start moving towards it but with the way that the country's in right now with the energy crisis and all that lewis the cost-of-living crisis, it is going to cost way too much money to turn diesel lines to electric as such, if you know what I mean. But what I think that companies should start doing is where there is already electric railways in the UK, so you know, all the main lines and there's a few other lines and stuff that are electric, Yeah. any operators that run diesel trains on those lines should look to running electric in that section. Like, definitely. get by mode trains and stuff.
2: Mm. That's mm, my that
1: opinion on it. Yeah, that could definitely work, actually. But as well, being carbon neutral does not mean that you have to start immediately running on electric. It mm. just means that you have to be able to renew whatever you're running on diesel. So whatever carbon you're putting in, you need to take back out again. Yeah. So I think that even companies like Northern that run predominantly diesel trains could still become carbon neutral. I don't know how they'd do it, but they could.
0: Yeah, that could, that could definitely work. And obviously the UK has set out an ambitious task to uh, completely get uh, net zero, carbon net zero, by 2050. Let's see if uh, the rail uh, sector continues to uh, contribute to that, but I'm sure it will.
1: It would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do... Just want to quickly talk about obviously this operator runs out of London, so I thought we'd just talk about it a second. Seatfrog. Lewis, Yay. you ever used Seatfrog before?
0: I have never. This is a brand new thing
1: for me. <laughs> so you haven't used Seatfrog before. have no. you ever used Seatfrog? Uh, no. You don't know what Seatfrog is. Right, okay. Seatfrog is an app where you can bid for first class tickets. Okay. And oh, it's quite an interesting app, I've used it a couple of times for TransPennine because TransPennines are really dead cheap. Like, literally, I got uh, five quid first class you upgrade, what? sell to Manchester. Oh. And what you do is you have a ticket already, so you must have a ticket already. Mm. And then you bid for a first class upgrade that will be cheaper than just buying a first class ticket. There's no chance that you're going to get that ticket. There's no, like, guarantee. But if you don't and you bid for it, you get your money back. So That's there's so no funny. reason not to, as such. Mm.
2: What is really interesting um, is the fact that I just searched upon my phone what this is. And apparently I have it installed. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> Maybe you could use it. Well, <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm pretty sure well, one I'm of my s- one of my friends was talking about it. Um, I think it was either Tanza or Jamie. They were telling me about uh, about the app, and they were showed me like what it was. Now that now that I've actually looked at what it is on my phone, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this now.
1: Oh, right. So I'm, I'm gonna talk about it now because I have a few points. So and then I'm gonna ask you an opinion. So East Midlands Railway have just joined. Hey. And you can get first class upgrades from up to ten pound. I looked the other day, and an East Midlands Railway from Sheffield to Derby, the upgrade was gonna be twenty-two.
0: Hmm,
1: that is not <laughs> worth it. Yeah, I was about to it?
0: say. <laughs> cross country is probably slightly I mean, it now, wouldn't be. Uh, cross Country's
1: even worse. Oh, isn't it? I've try? seen cross country on there before, where you type in your journey and it goes forty pound.
0: Oh, blimey! I and mean, I'm just
1: so I would urge you to stay cautious. I use it for TransPennine Express. TransPennine, I've never had a problem with. They're always cheap. Honestly. If you want a good upgrade with TransPennine, really good. If you want yeah. a good upgrade with LNER, they can sometimes do it for you. But sometimes it'll come up as like 35 quid. No. <laughs> so, it's. I mean, I It not is gonna, a questionable one.
2: I'm not going to lie. I haven't really ever sought the. like. For me, first class isn't really, like, a priority. I'd rather just get on the train, stick my headphones in, listen to music, and get where I've got to go. I've never really, like, been the kind of person that would go out of my way to book first class
1: tickets. I mean, first class in general is an interesting one, isn't it? Because in my opinion, I agree it should be completely abolished. I mean, you
2: you look at some of the TOC's first classes, and you think, well... Why am I paying an extra fee for something that's basically the same as what everyone else is getting apart from you actually get a little bit quieter and you haven't got uh, Karen's kids screaming but it's you know I just don't see the point in it
0: The only thing I like about his first class is the catering
2: <laughs> Of course you you of course you would think about the food
1: Yeah of course you think about the food Yeah if we don't if you don't know Lewis really likes food <laughs> anyways I think my thing with first class is I've done it a couple of times now different operators sometimes without paying because (laughs) guards are nice and I think the catering option to be honest quite frankly is not worth the money that you pay for first class well it's
0: good LLDRs is sorry I can't say is.
1: Listen, LNER's is to an extent, but if you think about how much it would cost you to buy that meal and then get on the train and sit in standard class, it's actually not. That's actually
0: true. If you think of it like that, that's very true. Even though LNER has been crowned one of the best
1: cases. Yeah, LNER LNER definitely have got a really good first class offering and I would Hmm. recommend it to people, but I just think first class doesn't need to exist. Have you ever been on a busy LNER, like shall we say 1733 off King's Cross to Leeds, Lewis? On a Friday night.
0: Yeah, I've done that once, yeah.
1: 1733 off King's Cross to Leeds on a Friday night is absolutely friggin' heaving in yeah, standard
0: really.
1: and mm. empty in first. Yeah. <laughs> and it just annoys me. I just think that if first class didn't exist as such, or if they do what Avanti do now, Lewis. Which, Avanti, on their 11-car Pendolinos, they either have two coaches of first class or one coach and two standard premium. But I disagree with Avanti. I think what it should be, Lewis, is I think it should be either... I think that Avanti should just have standard premium and not first, personally. Yeah, I mean...
2: What's the difference between first class and standard premium?
1: That's exactly the Standard premium is cheaper... You don't get at seat food service, but you get priority food service. That is literally the difference.
0: So that's alright still. Obviously it's not complimentary, but it's alright still.
1: I think standard premium is the way to go on a personally.
0: Yeah, definitely. Sounds like it. And the seats look literally like a first class seat almost.
1: Well you they mind. are. They're literally yeah. a first class seat. On the refurbs, they just put a little sticker over it. That's
2: literally it. <laughs> yeah. I like the uh I do I do like the uh the green on the uh on the uh, head, seat, head cover, not going to lie. Yeah,
1: it's nice. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we could sit here and talk about first-class audio, yeah. but we we'll more. move on. Say,
0: Should we talk about brand new trains and brand new technology going to the UK railways? Oh, well, yeah, that sounds good that, to me. Yeah, that's a good uh, little topic to uh, move on to, but... Uh, back to East Railway. It has been uh, confirmed that the East Railway Auroras, as what they're calling them, the new intercity city trains, 33, five car uh, yeah. IT sets. The uh, factory in Durham, County Durham, Newton Aycliffe, that is, the manufacturer's been starting. So we should really have them in testing. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine in the next year or so,
1: really. So Lewis, good. do you want to know the best part? Go they on. have used the seat manufacturer that Avanti used for the 390 refurb.
0: That is really, that's put a little bit of hope in me.
1: <laughs> Thank God is all I have to say to that one. Definitely. Yeah, I, mean, I think triple two seats are awful. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, I'm just going to put it straight yeah. out. I oh. sat on one and I sat, I think I told Adam the story, I sat on the metal bar. Oh, whoa. It was yeah. really painful.
0: Yeah, to so be honest. To be honest, East as Railway as an operator, I don't mind them. I think like they cover a good
2: distance. The only distance question that, that yeah. the only re- question that raises to me is, how on earth did you manage to sit on the metal bar?
1: <laughs> uh, I normally bounce off, of, like I bounce into a seat if it looks comfy, Adam. And I bounced straight into a seat that literally was just a pad, no padding whatsoever, and a metal frigging bar. Well, Ouch. good luck to the Defy teams. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have also, to say. honestly, I I just want to quickly say something because I've just seen it and I cannot yeah. believe this, Lewis. Uh So, as you know, I recently—well, they don't know actually—I want to be a volunteer on North Yorkshire Moors Railway, and so that's pretty fun. So, I want to be a volunteer on North Yorkshire Moors Railway, and I recently got accepted onto the thing so that's starting soon so that'll be fun and the north yorkshire moors railway this summer children go for one pound
0: it's gonna be absolutely really
1: rammed it's a really it's gonna good deal though isn't it rammed yeah yeah but it's, it's a really good it's deal, gonna though. be absolutely rammed but that is a really good deal so yeah children go for one pound yeah so to be
0: honest the north yorkshire moors uh, railway definitely get get out there soon because uh what i've heard is it's a pretty good you know nifty little railway up in north yorkshire but yeah have to
1: come on the day i am traveling on it Let's...
0: definitely to be honest if uh if when you start uh volunteering and i think it's good enough You yeah, i might even join you you never know
1: As do, you you happen
2: to, do you happen to know what the age range is on that for the uh, children travelling for one pound.
0: <laughs> Adam's gonna pretend he's sixteen now.
2: <laughs> Four Between and fifteen years. If, ooh, that's actually uh that's actually not that bad to be fair. To to say no. that the tickets yeah. for an adult is normally like forty pounds
1: somewhere around there. Yeah, mm. it, it it is still forty pounds for an adult this year though. That's the only thing that I was a bit like, okay. I mean, right. I mean that because I wanna be I want to be a ticket inspector, so I'm gonna to have to charge people forty quid. So, the only, the only <laughs> and then I'm gonna have to charge a child. The, one pound. The only yeah, thing is on. with
2: that is you know obviously people are gonna to travel to it, and it's still gonna be rather expensive, especially if you have to get like train travel down there.
1: Yeah, uh, I again, think it'll be very interesting for. to. It'll be very interesting to see because particularly fourteen. Like, 13, 14, 15-year-olds, most of them start going by themselves, Adam. So, most of them will literally just be travelling by themselves for £1. Pound. So The
2: question is, though, are they going to make it so that you have to be with a parent to get the £1? Or is it just going to be £1?
1: Nah, I spoke to someone about it. It literally is just going to be £1. Pound.
0: Yeah, it's alright, um, that.
1: Yeah. Maybe I'll have to I know a
2: lot of my mates me. who are going to pretend to be fifteen. I might have to tell. I know, a lot of my
1: mates. Do you know what would be really funny, Lewis? If my mates were pretending to be 15, i just met them that day, like, checking tickets. I'd be really <laughs> like. Oh, funny. hello. Are you 15 oh, now? Are you are 15?
2: <laughs> you know, another thing that I think would be really nice with stuff like that, particularly for, you know, people who have disabilities and require carers, you know, if ever mm. they ever wanted to go to something like that, they should... To probably do something like the carers get like some kind of deal because obviously you still have to like pay for it and if you're yeah. taking someone there specifically just to go then you're still paying full price really aren't you
1: Yeah. have you ever uh, heard about the one mistake uh, actually North Yorkshire Moors Railway makes me laugh because they made a mistake a couple of years ago Lewis and it was actually on TV on their you know North Yorkshire Moors Railway all aboard show yeah uh, that was on yeah they kind of made a mistake uh, it was really funny uh, the lady in charge of marketing put wait uh, was meant to do teachers go for free but it was supposed to be teachers travel for free and it was supposed to be like only a thousand available and she accidentally made a hundred thousand available <laughs> <laughs> oh, they lost shit. quite a bit of money then a lot of teachers came traveling for free <laughs> I mean I wouldn't really blame the would you though <laughs> But the idea with that was because the North Yorkshire Moors Railway is all about, like, you know, education and stuff. They're a charity. Yeah. What they were going to do was teachers travel for free. If they enjoy it, they bring their class back. They get lots of money.
0: Boom. (laughs) sorted.
1: But they kind of messed up just a little bit.
0: Definitely, yeah.
1: Just a bit.
0: Right. I think then something quite interesting now on the basis of... uh, a signalling system, okay, which is uh, ETCS, European Train Control System. It's a, uh, a software which... It's in the Link
1: car, isn't it?
0: Yeah, Siemens is the main uh, manufacturer in the UK who actually deals with ETCS. But this one for uh, you you lot to discuss. Uh, as part of the East Coast Digital Programme, the ECDP, with the technology of £1 billion funding from the government... Oh, i are feeling a bit generous, aren't they? Uh, line-size signalling will be removed and replaced by the ETCS, system between uh, London King's Cross to the Stoke Tunnels just south of Grantham. This will result in faster, safer and more regular trains for millions of people for the East Coast Mainline. Hmm.
1: Hang on a minute. Does that mean that the driver won't do anything between King's Cross and Grantham? I was about to say, our, our York Stopper service has got to operate. <laughs> Does that mean that the driver literally won't do anything between King's Cross and Grantham
0: well, the thing is, is ETCS is obviously Automatic Train operation, so it will drive the train. However, I think what they're going to do is probably something which Tempsink drivers have to do still with the Tempsink core. They have to still check and, you know, still uh, probably the case of buzzing to the guard. to you know, say that the train is ready to go and stuff. But I, but I can imagine would...
1: that they won't be doing nothing. But seriously, will that stop the guard from opening doors at stations then because they'll just open automatically?
0: I think that the Hitachi IT's are actually capable of doing that with the ETCS, so that might be the case, but what do you oh think about that? Oh my god,
1: that... I, hope, I hope not, because this is going to start the whole RMT Union argument again, Lewis.
0: Yeah, to be fair, it will, however, the uh, th- this is Intercity Railways, remember, you've got you to gotta think, so guards are probably always going to be present, hopefully, that's the case, but yeah. yeah I hope so. Definitely. But uh, the thing is, is, I reckon East Coast Mainline is, without a shadow of a doubt, is one of the busiest mainlines in the UK. Or well, probably, some would argue, the busiest. Uh,
1: now, I've just realized, we have talked a lot about trams and trains today, particularly. Mm. I have just one thing to add before we finish, and that is to do with planes. Hey! Because, I, I, yeah, I, I don't mind a plane every now and then. So... But this is not good news, by the way. Uh, it's EasyJet cancelling thousands of flights through the summer due to staff shortages.
0: There we go. <laughs> so to
1: they fair, had a massive problem in the half-term, yeah. Lewis. Do you remember? In the half-term, <laughs> there was massive, widespread problems as people tried to travel, and so many bags were lost, so many things happened because of short staff. So EasyJet have been warned by the government that if they cannot operate a service, cancel it rather than confusing people.
0: Yeah, so they... to be honest, EasyJet is quite a busy airline, like a very, very busy airline. Obviously, their main hub is uh, Gatwick Airport. But uh, the thing is, is I, I would probably say that the whole of the aviation sector has definitely struggled, hasn't it? Uh,
1: Oh, yeah, they, definitely.
0: Yeah, and they just, need to, they just need to try and get back, you know, they just need to get taken off again. Excuse the pun. <laughs> need to get taken off again. But, uh, yeah, the thing is, is uh, there's also a really interesting point yesterday, uh, which I saw on Sky News, that's, uh, here we go, this has going to shock you too, I think. Uh, more flights from Heathrow have been cancelled today due to passenger numbers exceeding their airport's capacity. More than a total of 45 flights have been cancelled yesterday due to chaos across the UK airport. Yeah, Heathrow's been bursting at capacity yesterday. Don't think we would want to go to uh, Maldives yesterday, did we? With that.
2: And all I have to say on that is, as somebody once, uh, as somebody wise once said, don't just book it, Thomas Cook it. <laughs> oh wait, no, you can't. Damn it! Oh no. that
0: a so gong. Oh. That was really sad. It- that was
1: actually really, really sad.
0: Uh, you know, like period of time for the aviation community. <laughs> Lewis, oh, yeah.
1: as Jeremy Clarkson once said, "Oh no." Anyways, last week. Yeah. I so, thought it
2: was. Oh no. Anyway, the Toyota Urban Cruiser. <laughs> Proudly sponsored yeah. Shadow Four documentary. This is not sponsored, by the way.
0: <laughs>
1: Lewis, that's twice you've done that today. Show. Shall we wrap up? <laughs> I hope you well, have enjoyed think... listening to the Let's Talk Transport podcast, which was brought to you from Discord Studios Limited. <laughs> hey, you're doing it now. <laughs> and
2: recorded by the power of VoiceMeter. Yes. Oh,
0: here we go. Use the code uh, Let's Talk Transport ten to get ten percent off your next order. That doesn't no, exist. That's a joke. That is a joke. <laughs>
1: Right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in around two weeks. About that, yeah. Then. Thanks, Adam, for joining us today.
2: No worries at all. And uh, thanks for recording it.
1: <laughs> oh yes. Yes, of course. Thanks for recording as well.
0: Right. Right. I think that is it. That's... And uh, we'll see. Every, we'll see. Uh, we'll see everyone. I'm sure in two weeks' of time. Well, Adam, probably not, but. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: see you. Well, I hope you've all enjoyed. Thanks for listening, and have a good rest of your day.